0: What is up my sunlight samurais, how are you guys doing? It's another sunny day, so definitely gonna get some sunlight today as usual. So this video is gonna be a little special one where I wanna talk to you about Ray Peet's principles and after reading his work for like five years now, this is the things that I feel that can be different that I don't necessarily 100% agree with him on yet. Um, So I'm just gonna dive right into it. It's gonna be 10 things that um, I feel that I do different and that I usually recommend differently than what he usually do. Okay, so first of all would be exercise. This is the one thing that Pete almost never talks about. Um, I don't say he is against it, but he doesn't do it and he doesn't recommend it for people. And the reason why I bring this up is because I do feel that exercise is one of the best things anyone can incorporate into their life because it has so much benefits when it comes to managing your stress, lowering inflammation, increasing your body temperature, making you feel great, increasing your androgens, improving blood flow. Now, my, like there are so many studies that look at health outcomes, cognitive, heart, liver, intestine, bones, everything when it comes to exercise is improved when you do exercise. So I feel like it doesn't emphasize exercise enough. And this is one of the things that I feel is very important that anyone... Should basically incorporate because they will experience benefits from doing exercise. But there's obviously a limit by how much exercise you can do, even a very tiny amount of exercise can give you a lot of benefits, so you don't have to overdo it. And I'm not trying to say like anyone has to overdo it to get all of the benefits, and it's not like I'm overdoing it to get any kind of benefit. But also, if you're overdoing it because you're an elite athlete, that's fine because you're doing something that you enjoy, you want to do that. So I'm not gonna say like you know you should quit your your sport that you love so much just because you're harming yourself your health you know so i would rather go and do protective measures uh, for the exercise so that the exercise is not at harmful when i do it in access that's what i would generally recommend to someone but i still think that anyone can and should implement exercise into their daily regimen because it has so many benefits and i think that's something that we need to focus more on um but he does say that concentric exercise only, concentric only exercise, this is where you flex the muscle. It's not when you extend the muscle. So when you're doing a bicep curl, you're flexing, that's the concentric part of the movement. And he says that is the, the, the part of the exercise that's good. Now, there's a few kinds of ways that you can make this work, but the thing is, like, there is no such thing as concentric only exercise because as one muscle is concentrically contracting, another muscle eccentrically lengthening. And it's not like that muscle is not activated. It's always activated. So there is no such thing like there's no eccentric part of the movement. You are always having some kind of tension on that eccentric part of the movement. Unless you use really specific design machines that people don't have access to. And even when it comes to like normal activities like walking, running, jumping, having fun. You know, there is always an eccentric component. So let's say you're doing a yield sprint because that's more concentric. There is still a lot of eccentric contraction happening. So um, I think it's it's silly to try to avoid the eccentric part of the movement um, because there is always eccentric. And if you don't train something, that's when you start to get a weakness and that's when you can actually start to injure yourself because you have a weakness in that area. Um, so I'm not trying to say like, you know, train eccentric only, but I'm just saying don't try to avoid it on purpose, you know. Um, but that would be another whole video on its own to talk about concentric versus eccentric only. Okay, so the next part I made a whole list here is sunlight. So um, I don't think Pete actively like avoids sunlight, but I don't think he is as about it as I am. So about getting sunlight. So a lot of people can benefit from getting more sunlight, especially first thing in the morning to entrain their circadian rhythm, getting sunlight to increase their dopamine, to improve their blood flow, increase their androgens, getting gluten, upping their vitamin D. So I'm always pro- um, sunlight to get vitamin D over a supplement. Pete would rather apply vitamin D topically on his skin to get his vitamin D. But the thing is, there's so many much more benefits to getting sunlight versus applying vitamin D. Even if you're doing a topically and it's supposed to be safe, whatever. Sunlight has a lot more benefits than just taking a supplement. And that's what I think a lot of people should benefit more from, is getting more sunlight. All right, so next on the list is Rigidity with different diets so um pete is very rigid in his own diet that's what i would say he's very rich in his own diet and people with that have health problems want to be rigid people love to be rigid they want a cookie cutter program but there is no such thing as a perfect cookie cutter program when it comes to any kind of diet everyone will respond to differently and i'll get to that, to that in a moment But the thing is, like, I don't think people realize that Pete isn't as close-minded as they think. He has written a lot of books where he actually talks about nutrition and, you know, talks about having some greens and having some starches and vegetables and stuff like that. His diet is not just the the milk and orange juice diet. That's not the only things that he recommends. He does eat, like, steak and stuff like that. So, first of all, I think people just... I'm very extreme with his diet there's no grapey diet there's only principles that he follows um, and he is pretty extreme in what he does but i don't think people have to be as obsessed as he is you have to be you know listen to your own body um, so i kind of like trying to say is that not that i necessarily disagree with him on any of those aspects it's just that people think he is very rigid he is not as rigid and he does encourage experimentation so then rigidity in terms of supplements, usually when you ask to be about a supplement, it's usually going to be a short list, including vitamin D, calcium, you know, the, the pro-hormones, pregnenolone, progesterone, thyroid, sometimes something like lidocaine or uh, like antibiotics. Those are generally the ones that he would recommend. He doesn't really recommend vitamins and minerals and um, like herbs and stuff like that. Whereas I know a lot of people can benefit from specific adaptogens, vitamins like B1, B5, like a B-complex, magnesium, zinc when they're um, sympathetically over-dominant. So there's a lot of things, supplements that people can benefit from that he doesn't really recommend or talk about because he thinks that perhaps it can cause some disbalance when it's not safe, there's some contaminants in the products or something like that. But um, And then unnecessarily people try supplements that don't work for them. So, always as a baseline, I would recommend get your vitamins and minerals because your body can't function optimally without enough vitamins and minerals. That's going to be the baseline. Get that baseline in check. And then you can try things like pregnenolone and progesterone. But also keep in mind that's not going to work for everyone. You can um and also when you're using something like DHA, you know, you're filling in one Aspect that's missing, but with the herb, it has so many different areas. First of all, it like modulates the microbiome. It manages stress. It just it does this and that, and so many different things that a herb or a product can do other than the ones that he recommends. So there needs to be less rigidity in terms of supplements. I'm not saying like go buy a trashy supplement. It still have to be top quality supplements, but it, it doesn't have to be that rigidity. Like this is the only one you should try. There's a lot of things that you can try that will have beneficial effects. There are so many alternatives that um, are going unexplored, I would say. Okay, so next, next up on the list is PUFAs from different sources. And I think people suggest generally anti-PUFA. And I would, too would say, like, don't overconsume polyunsaturated fats. But there is a difference between where you get that PUFA from. So there was an interesting study, and I think I'm going to write an article about this, is that... Um, the, when you look at polyunsaturated fat loss, so vegetable and seed oils, on disease, you will see that there are different effects from the different oils that you can consume. So for example, if you have canola oil, that might cause, you know, cardiovascular disease and stuff like that because it inhibits the proper action of vitamin K too. But that's not specifically because of the pufa in the oil. It's because the oil contains other compounds that is negative. So similarly, you consume cottonseed oil that contains gossypol, which acts as a, a natural uh, co- contraceptive. It's actually been studied by extracting the, the uh, gossypol to act as a male and female contraceptive. And um, people say, oh, the PUFA is bad. No, it's nothing to do with the PUFA. It's something else in the oil. So if you would say like, okay, all PUFA is bad. It's gonna cause disease. You would see that every single PUFA, high PUFA oil would cause the same the disease, in the same quantity, but that's not the case. You will see some oils, like, uh, you know, it doesn't cause their side effects, but other are much more toxic than other ones because they contain different compounds other than the PUFA that's bad. But still, the PUFA is bad because Um, it becomes oxidized before you even consume it. And then when you consume it, it oxidizes in the intestine, causes inflammation, (coughs) it goes into the cell membranes, it causes a lot of toxic effects. I did write a lot of articles on this, so I can link this in the description of this video as well for you guys to check out. So I'm not going to say like, I'm going to, you know, excuse Puffa Puffa, it's not not okay to consume, but there is different effects when you get it from different sources. So when I'm talking about an oyster, or seafood, or an egg that's got more Puffa, that is more fine to consume in large amounts versus a vegetable oil. Because an egg is beneficial, it has so many other beneficial compounds that can improve your health versus a vegetable oil. So that's gonna be like an egg, your brains, like animal brains that you can consume, um, animal fat because it's a good ratio between Pouffa and saturated fat, um, the oyster because it contains so many different things other than just the omega-3. So different sources will have different effects and um, I'm going to be more lenient to say that you can consume more Pufo when it comes from animal sources versus the plant sources. So the next one is meat. Um, Meat generally avoids meat or recommends avoiding meat because you uh, get more of the inflammatory amino acids like methionine, and cysteine, which people don't know is also found actually more abundantly in milk than in the meat. meat contains phosphorus and no calcium and a lot of iron I can accumulate with aging. But the thing is like, so I, I agree with him, so that's why I balance the I add always, if I have meat, I add calcium on top of that. So that would be eggshell calcium or another supplement to make sure I balance the calcium with the phosphorus. And then I would add gelatin as well because that will provide something the anti-inflammatory amino acids. But if you look at something like ground meat, you're getting a lot of collagen already and you don't necessarily have to add additional gelatin. And when you look at indigenous tribes that was eating a lot of meat, they didn't die from disease and have a short life or stuff like that. You know, so there wasn't disease. The disease really came in when food became highly processed. When people were extracting things and processing and highly processing things, that's when people started getting disease. And so... Any tribe that still eats as native as they did back in the day is not... Those tribes were very much disease-free. So that's the thing. I still think, like, meat, a lot of people can benefit from meat versus another protein source like dairy or eggs, because dairy and eggs can be allergenic for a lot of people, whereas meat is very, very, very hypoallergenic. Very few people get sensitive to meat, so that's actually a very good source of protein, and... They get very valuable minerals that they wouldn't necessarily get somewhere else. So meat can be a very valuable source of nutrition, which I feel is amazing. And then you get saturated fat as that as well. You get the vitamins, you get the minerals, you get the amino acids. So as long as your digestion is good and you can digest it, um, you shouldn't have any problem. So there's obviously different kinds of meat sources. You can get the red meat, you can get the lean and fatty, you can get the white meat lean and fatty that will have different effects on digestion. So you'll have to try that out. And I feel like... Um, uh, so, peat unnecessarily demonizes the, the, the meat, the red meat. And I feel like a lot of people can benefit by eating red meat. They're getting a lot of zinc that's going to be beneficial for the reproductive system, for the hair, for their intestine, uh, for so many things. So, that's, a, that's another point. Uh, then, individuality. I touched a little bit upon this, is that a lot? Of, everyone is different. And depending on where you come from, some people can do well with dairy, other people just can't. Some people will enjoy and benefit from red meat. Other people's not so much. Um, You know, some people might need, and I I can't believe I'm going to say this, might need a little bit more omega-3 than other people, you know. So everyone is different. They might need, they have different demands. Different demands for nutrition, different demands for vitamin D, different demands for sleep. You know, a lot of things is different. You have to be individual. You have to listen to your body, what's going on. And that's why there's no such thing as a cookie cutter program where, you know, just follow this protocol and you'll be good. There's no such thing. That's why Pete focuses so a lot on vitamin D, but a lot of people, when they supplement vitamin D, has so many side effects when they use the vitamin D. Well, I'm all pro-vitamin D, but I'm not necessarily supplementing it. Just getting in the sun. That's why we are the Sunlight Samurais, because I believe so much on sunlight. Um, so individuality is so important. Listen to your body and also taking into consideration where you can, like, came from and what nutrition you would do best with. Look at my... Companion, my companion joined me on my video. <laughs> all right, so next up is antibiotics. Pete recommends a lot of antibiotics. Um, generally, he focuses a lot on gut health, he just thinks that all bacteria is bad in general. So, first of all, he recommends uh, the carrot salad, mushrooms, bamboo shoots, those are the natural sources. And I would say, by all means, go for that. Go for the natural sources first. And then consider antibiotic, but don't just consider antibiotics without first doing a stool test because you want to know which bacteria is high and which is low. Because different bacteria, uh, different antibiotics kill different bacteria, and if you don't see what kind of bacteria you have, that antibiotics can make you worse. So, some people have high this bacteria, so they need this antibiotic, other people have high this bacteria, and they need this antibiotic because this antibiotic can make your already low bacteria lower and increase the bad ones even more, causing more disposes, which is very common. A lot of people actually make their disposes worse by just using antibiotics without actually doing any testing and seeing what's going on. So make sure you test first before you just go crazy on antibiotics. And of course, people will have good testimonies when it comes to using antibiotics because they just coincidentally use the right ones and kill the bacteria that they were high in. So then you're gonna have a positive testimony, of course. Um, so I would always go for the natural sources first, and then I would go for using an antibiotic. But make sure you test first before you just use something. All right. Then we have herbs. Um, as I mentioned, Peter is relatively uh, rigid in terms of the, the supplements that he recommends. And he can like, neglect a lot of supplements that can be beneficial for people, like Cassandra, rhodiola, succinic acid. Or B1, or zinc, magnesium, those kinds of things that people actually benefit from. But I'm talking specifically about herbs here. And a lot of people can actually benefit from using herbs for a vast uh, variety of different conditions. And um, usually when you ask Pete, you know, what should I be using for this condition? He almost never recommends a herb. And I think like there are so many herbs that can be beneficial for specific conditions. You just have to find the right one and then get a good source. So that's where I also kind like, of disagree with Pete is that you can... You can benefit from herbs, whereas the supplements that he recommends won't necessarily help you. Right. <laughs> and then lastly, is not all stressors is necessarily bad. Um, when it comes to, let's say, you really enjoy a specific activity, you like you so freaking enjoy it, you're going nuts about that activity. Like for example, I like swimming in the ocean, and sometimes the ocean is cold. You know, your body can perceive that as a stressor, especially if you spend long times in the ocean, but Am I going to tell you like, hey, stop swimming in the ocean, stop doing an activity you love? That would be crazy, right? That's going to be crazy. Like, So even though um, activities are stressful, I would still say like, don't stop doing something that you really enjoy. Depending on how detrimental it is to your body, obviously there are different levels. But um, I would say like swimming in the ice can be fun, but that does have actual almost immediate side effects. There's a study where spending just three minutes in ice, swimming in ice, had detrimental effects on elevating your parathyroid hormone, causing hyper um, elevated your, your blood, uh, phosphorus, and calcium. And just causing inflammation just three minutes can lead to osteoporosis and cardiovascular disease. So there are different levels of stressors that are bad, but swimming in the ocean where the, where the water is like 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 degrees Celsius is not as bad as long as you're having fun like adding a fun component to a stressor can dramatically reduce the stress um, and I would rather say like do things that buffer the stress versus cutting out that activity so um, not all stressors are bad especially if you enjoy them don't just cut something out of your life because it's deemed to be a stressor you know it's, it's more important to have an enjoyable full life where you you um enjoy what you're doing you know so i don't think like let's say you enjoy 10 things but nine of them are stressful now you do only one of the 10 things because you want to minimize stress i don't think that's going to be enjoyable life you you at least for me that that's how i feel and i don't know about you guys but yeah Anyway, so that was 10 things that I feel I feel different than way. And I uh, hope this all made sense. If you have any questions, leave that in the comments below, and I can answer them if you have any questions. And uh, maybe if you want me to elaborate more on one of these specific points, I can do that for you as well. Please leave a comment below. All right, my samurai, my sunlight samurais, I will check you in the next one. Cheers, guys.